welcome to another episode of Roll or Die. We're uh, taking a little bit of a tangent in this week's episode. Um, we've previously done one very similar. So we have for you today, he is a BJJ Brown Belt at Absolute MMA, and he is a sports therapist and researcher here to cover all things uh, jiu-jitsu, exercise, injury, prevention, etc. related. Welcome, Tim Travail. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me, Kim. Looking forward to the chat. Awesome. Well, actually, I know, I know, Tim, like, I know we're going to go right down that path. You're going to be best at asking those questions, Kim. But, Tim, I just, I've seen you compete a lot, man, like in my journey of, you know, um, the Arnold Classics and play, play, things, comps like that. I'm, I just always seemed, I seem to see you compete a lot, man. And you're an absolute, like, murderer out there. Is that like, like, is that, is that the way you've always been in BJJ? Like, let, let's start with that. Let's start with your competition approach. Is it because you can piece yourself yeah. back together when you make a mistake and rehab yourself? <laughs> what, what is it? Yeah, that Arnold Classic's going back a bit. Gee, I think we were, we were white belts back then, back in, uh, well, that been sort of 2012, 13, something, something like that, a little, little while ago now. Um, but I've always definitely been competitive in anything I've done. Um, and I, uh, uh Actually, I've got a background in Japanese jiu-jitsu, funnily enough, in kind of uh, I was looking for a tennis club or something like that at university and and ended up falling into this sort of funny jiu-jitsu thing that I um, stayed with for a while and then uh, realised I liked the groundwork stuff and always been competitive and um, definitely competed a lot when I was sort of Worlds and um, Pan Ams and a few of the absolute guys back, uh, I suppose, heavily up to Purple Belt and then uh, in the gi and no gi up to about Purple Belt and then sort of dropped the gi as... You know, as we all, as many of us did when when Craig and Lockie were training for the EBIs, and you know, really got kind of wrapped up in all of that stuff, and really enjoyed that. Um, I suppose the last few years, to my to my detriment, somewhat, I've kind of uh, probably competed a bit less. Um, I was picked up a PhD and uh, and and children and stuff like that that have all. Um, you know put into it but but this yeah. year i'm planning to get back onto the competition mats and, and already entered a couple for later in the year so I'm, I'm really excited to get back to that awesome man i awesome. can't wait to see that and so tell us about your journey then onto the jiu-jitsu match you mentioned japanese jiu-jitsu how did you discover jiu-jitsu and then like how long have you been in australia when when did you get here yeah, I got uh, I come over here. Um, I, I was working for a university in the UK um, for about five years and decided to have a sabbatical left for for about a year. And that was about 11 years ago. You know, got came out to Melbourne for a year and got stuck, stuck for 11 yeah. so far. Um, <laughs> and so as soon as I came out here, I knew that I uh, that's pretty much when I started my Brazilian Jiu Jitsu journey. I knew that I sort of enjoyed the groundwork style of stuff. I think I'd had two classes. Well, I didn't know who he was at the time, but my first class with was with was with uh, Braulio Estima in Birmingham in the UK. Wow. Um and um but I didn't know who he was, but looking back is you know some it's a good introduction to it. And then coming out here, um training with dominance for a few years over at those guys, um, and then started to compete with um, you know, some of the guys at Absolute, got to got to know some of those. Um and then yeah, came over to Absolute sort of as a as a new blue belt a little while ago and uh, yeah, just been enjoying the journey. And I'm just really fortunate that I can marry up my passions for jujitsu with uh, my passions for for rehab and um and all things sports injuries really. That's awesome. Oh, that you mean you injure them and then you put them back together? <laughs> Is that what you mean? Pretty much. Sorry. Pretty much. Isn't that the original the original yeah. sort of um the philosophers were the, were the healers as well as the martial artists back in the day. Yes. So, you know, knowing how yeah. to break things is very similar to knowing how to fix things. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. But what was the link? Like when you came here, 
and you weren't like you were doing Japanese jujitsu, you done one BJJ class. Like, what made you like move to BJJ away from the Japanese jujitsu? Like, what was the motivation there? I think I just realized some of the bullshit around Japanese jiu-jitsu to be honest like some of it's really uh, like useful and uh I was uh I was actually wrist locking someone from standing today because I've been wrestling a lot recently and I was actually wrist locking someone from standing and that's from a back from those old Japanese jiu-jitsu days but there's just a, some, a lot of kind of punts around it and a lot of kind of pretense of two people aren't really you know trying to hurt each other one person's pretending to throw a punch and the other person's defending that whereas when you kind of start to do a little bit of the groundwork and play around with that and you realize that the only true uh sort of honesty in martial arts is when two people are both having a crack at each other and so mm. any martial arts that doesn't have two people trying to make an equal against each other mm. in my opinion is 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 uh yeah just sort of leaving a bit out there and um just doesn't probably represent reality so that's kind of i, I wish i got started into it you know when i got started in japanese jiu-jitsu but that is the way we all have our different journeys and uh yeah it fully added a bit to my jiu-jitsu anyway awesome awesome and so tim so you're a sports therapist like i guess that's sort of all encompassing yeah because it, it is a bit confusing there's a, a few different you've got your physio chiro osteo myo, myo. Like, yeah <laughs> what's what's the difference with them and, and what you do and like what just give us a bit of an overview of of that, I like it. Yeah, it's certainly confusing out there, and it's confusing for many people in the industry, let alone people that are just looking for the right person to to fix their injury or to get them back on the mats. So, in the UK, the healthcare system is a little bit different. Um, it's mainly uh, it's mainly probably physio dominant, but there's a large um, there's a large um, number of what's called sports therapists. Which so if, if physio in their undergrad practice would do a combination of um, <clears throat> the musculoskeletal stuff, but then they also do the cardiac, the pulmonary, the post surgical care a lot of other other stuff not just musculoskeletal injuries whereas in the uk there's a specialization called sports therapy which just looks at musculoskeletal injuries but very much from the original injury right through to getting back to sports specific training and you've got some fantastic physios and chiros and everything else out there that do that later stage stuff but there's more embedded in the undergraduate training in the uk in terms of that kind of sports specific stuff because there's more room for it because we're not we're not designed to work in hospitals like physios are in their undergrad so there's just more space to look at strength and conditioning principles as long as, uh, as well as the musculoskeletal stuff so we combine that together really well i think as sports therapists um i work in a clinic that's very much um it's about eight or ten physios and myself as a sports therapist um but i <clears throat> one of my other well, my full-time role is actually working for a university so i i, I work uh sort of full-time monday to friday in, in academic management academic leadership running some courses including an undergraduate program in in myotherapy a degree program so i'm very familiar with those sort of different areas and um yeah worked and taught and um have some a role also at monash university in their physiotherapy sort of program over there where i do a bit of research um so um <clears throat> i suppose long story short if you look at someone five years postgraduately or 10 years postgraduately you and you look at the way they practice if they're good and they're evidence-based and they've been following the research there shouldn't be any difference in the way that they treat you because they're treating you based on what what's supposed to work right not dogma not sort of historical experiences but what actually works and so you would have a physio a myotherapist a sports therapist doing pretty much the same thing to get people back if they're following an evidence base but at the point of graduation there is some differences in terms of how people focus on on, on different things mm, awesome man 
In your in your opinion, like with the types of patients that come through, where is BJJ on the scale of like how dangerous is BJJ? You know, is, is basketball worse? Is you know, is there a, is there a spectrum here that you kind of have in your mind? AFL would be pretty bad too, yeah. Yeah, look, definitely different injury profiles, different types of injuries, different, um, but also just like the prevalence, how often different things happen. We're a bit starved in in jujitsu. There's probably in terms of like knowing these things so a lot of what i talk about is probably just anecdotal what i see coming through the clinic compared to, to other sports so i was fortunate i probably cut my teeth in rugby union so i worked for 12 seasons in rugby union sort of doing the pitch side seeing a lot of that traumatic injuries helping people then sort of back onto the field um and in jiu-jitsu it's very there's very unique injury profiles like take an lcl ligament on the outside of the knee we very rarely see that in many other sports because there's just a rarely that there's pressure we see even more mcl so if there's pressure on the outside of the leg pushing the knee inwards then you get that mcl style injury if it's the other way around is lcl injury where you kind of pressure on the inside of the knee gives you what's called a varus force or just the knee rolling outwards and things like that you don't see any other sports so because we're doing things like high pummeling from guard and people are putting pressure down on the legs or you've got things like lumberjack sweeps all these just unique traits in the way that jiu-jitsu is as a as a sport that we don't really see um and the body's perhaps not naturally conditioned for um so we see mostly knee injuries um, and from the limited bit of research that's out there, there's about five or six cross-sectional studies, which just means that we take a snapshot of time. We'll ask a hundred people what injuries you've had over the last year or 18 months or whatever that is. Um, and that research sort of shows that most of those show that knee is the most prevalent. Um, and then it's kind of shoulder, then elbow. Um, and then everything else is kind of falls by the wayside there. But we, um, it's definitely, um, I think the passion that people have for jiu-jitsu and uh, gives, um, you know, is probably linked to the injuries in the way that people don't take time off when they get little niggles. People, uh, <laughs> and not that you need to, but people don't even necessarily just change the way they're training um, when they get little niggles. And that tend to sort of, they can, you know, build up and turn into things that perhaps they didn't need to just because people don't like to change their training habits or take any sort of time away to to focus on those things. Sure. Do you see people like that that have kept training past the injury and made it worse? Is that a fairly common thing with jiu-jitsu practitioners? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think so. We definitely, yeah, I think um, I've probably all experienced it yourself and I wouldn't be immune to that myself in terms of, uh, yeah, doing that. I think you, you think things will just settle. And that's often the difficult conversation I have with people is when I, I don't want to over treatments, a massive problem in healthcare, like people uh, and we like any sort of practitioners often sell unnecessary treatments. Like, you know, you know, you, I don't know, bash because I know a few great ones, but I, but I will for a sec. Anyone that tells you you need, you know, three sessions a week for three weeks, two sessions a week for another two weeks. And then, you know, one session a week for the next six weeks after that. It's just it's just selling unnecessary over-treatment and these things. And mm. um people in jiu-jitsu do have great levels of self-efficacy in in the fact that I think they are they have the ability to be able to manage things well, to to work to train around their injuries really well. Um, particularly the more experienced people, you know, we know you've got a knee injury on the left side, right? We're gonna play right side half guard or even left side half guard. You're not having to use that knee so much. And, and we have beautiful ways of being resilient and moving around um you know uh, moving around those injuries and i think um the, although early on there's a there's a sort of with a lack of understanding of the sport and perhaps people not might need a bit more help from people like me in terms of just do's and don'ts to 
to do in in the sport and and how we can stay on the mats um there definitely is probably overall in the jiu-jitsu community a little bit of um under recognition of things that we can do to either prevent injuries or at least stop things getting worse once they get better once they're um once you're kind of continuing to train once you've been injured yeah you talked about like even you are not immune to kind of you know training in ways that you should i'd love to know like like uh, from an insider's perspective here, when you mm. like, have you had serious injuries? Have you kind of taken your own medicine, or have you completely ignored what you know to be? Like, I'd love to get on the inside of that a little bit. Yeah, willing yeah. to be open about it. Look, I think um, I, in my younger days, I was definitely a lot worse for this. Um, and yes, I had a lower back issue for many years. I, I, from, uh, I used to do a bit of judo, um, landed on my back from like a makakomi, like an uchimato or makakomi, where the other player then lands on top of you and did a disc injury. I had some bilateral calf pain for about five or six years and that's sort of on and off. And I, and I know looking back now, I would, I would have managed things very differently in the way that I did that. I sort of pushed through, put it in that, oh, it'll be all right, camp. And I ended up with about eight or nine years of sort of low back pain because of it. And, and more recently I've moved past that, but that was definitely just a sort of immaturity of, of youth that, that set me back there. But I can probably give an example. I think I'm managing things better now and and we know that we're always much more prone to injury whenever we try something new right Mm -hmm. the biggest single reason that people get injured in jiu-jitsu is they're doing too much too soon after doing too little for too long Mm -hmm. right simple mantra can uh, summarizes our principles of progressive overload when our reasons as to why we might get injured um when we just when we just when things are just new to us and so for me i've been taking up a bit more wrestling recently and and training with a few other guys as as, as many people have um and at, at 38 i know i'm a little bit more susceptible to, to knees and just the just the roughness of wrestling right and just trying something new so what i've been trying to do is uh i suppose not just do as i say but also do as i do and control some of those training variables that really help us to reduce injury risk and also just have more fun on the mats so i've actually just posted this afternoon something about um what sort of training variables that we can put in place um so everything from like how hard we might train so because i picked something new i know i can grapple at like eight nine ten intensity um and, and train pretty hard and stay safe because we have an efficiency of music uh, of movement we've been training for that for that long the body has a really sport specific resilience and and i know that my body can handle those whereas when i go into something new like wrestling even though you've got a martial arts background there's there's still things that we just need to dial down a little bit and that might just be the intensity of those of those sessions or how often we do those sessions um maybe picking the size of our training partners and stuff so i, I generally tend to wrestle with people within about 15 kilos of me um you know particularly if i'm gonna build up the intensity of those things and then just sort of slowly introducing the moving from that kind of control to more of a sort of chaotic environment and opening up more sort of ways of training that's a bit more challenging so um i've definitely struggled with that in the past and just trying to push through um and it's made problems worse um but i'm definitely trying like now to do things a bit different brilliant man brilliant yeah (laughs) would would you say you'd see more uh white belts that are coming to you with injuries or colored belts like or is there no no correlation. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing every belt. I think um, from from white to black. I think um, yeah. I don't think there's really a correlation there. I, maybe the way that people have got injured was is, is a little bit different. Yeah. We do tend to see like say like you've got a spectrum of white belts, um, and 
And if you have a look at the the type, the way that injuries happen, um, different body parts will happen in different ways. So, you know, that we've got these kind of like overuse, traditional overuse type of injuries where knees get a little bit worn out over time. Meniscus is something, particularly lateral meniscus is something we're seeing loads in jiu-jitsu. And that's kind of often like a, just a sort of a current um, sort of overuse over sort of slow degradation of that meniscal tissue inside the knee. Whereas you take something like elbow and about 80% of elbow injuries are acute based injuries because that's probably if you're not tapping from, you know, those sorts of things. Do that, <laughs> I was waiting, I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah, t- tapping early and often is never, yeah. it's, it's easy to say, but not easy to do, right? This, um, but, um, but just coming back, to sort of the the differences there i think more of the white belts we see more of the acute style injuries oh i posted out my arm my shoulder went out because yeah. the higher grades just wouldn't post into the same sort of silly ways or i tried to sit up from 50 50 guard and snap my lcl like just the more experience we get we see more of the sort of overuse style of injuries mm. um and less of so it's the acute sudden kind of snap mm. in general yeah. i love it i was actually gerald batty came to teach a community class the other night and he had a really interesting theory about uh, fingers. This is totally anecdotal. I don't, I'm not saying mm-hmm. I, I don't know science in this in this area, but he was it was really interesting because um, we, we did this kind of top game stuff, and we removed like we started off no arms, and we had our eyes closed, and then we did no arms, right, to try and pin people without arms, and then we did like just like arms but no hands, and the idea being that like in white belts they use their grips and they use their hands everything but the more kind of advanced we get the more we use kind of key pieces of our body and not the outer extremities and those sorts of things so we get better at protecting things and like it was just a fascinating kind of exercise to look at and now i'm kind of interested in do we use different parts of our body as we go through our journey you know macro movements versus micro and putting things at risk etc so yeah yeah no i think i think you're really onto something there Anton, because one of the things I talk about in injury prevention is around sort of skill development. And it, it does, so if, we're, if we're using efficient technique and sort of sensible training habits, rather than sort of gripping onto things, we're using more frames and you might be using more sort of like C-grip cupping hands rather than um, other types of gripping, um, which then if we're using stronger parts of our body centrally in our core, then we, we're offloading some of the more the distal parts and your kind of elbows, shoulders and hands. And you can see that in some of the research when we say that, right, if we're looking at elbow um like injuries for example if we have better strength and conditioning more sort of proximally up at the shoulder then we can offload some of the stuff that's happening there and i think those types of skill development definitely help you sort of in the long term in terms of preventing preventing injuries yeah i love it man awesome and what else tim like you mentioned earlier about like dialing it back a bit for particularly new uh newer practitioners um, mm. What other sort of things can people be doing to prevent the injuries that may come with jiu-jitsu? Yeah, look, um, there, there's if I go through like the principles of what I think are the most important levels. So the first thing is going to be always about how much total load that we're doing. And I'll talk, I'll talk about load management in a moment. Then it's the sort of outside of jiu-jitsu or developing athletic qualities, the strength and conditioning stuff. And then it's making sure that we're periodizing our, our, our training programs over time. So we can do, if, you, if you're happy, we can delve into each one, one of those a little bit more detail. So first of all, like if I talk about load management, we're really talking about planning our sort of our training habits to make sure that we're not doing this boom, but bust kind of workload patterns and coming back to that too much too soon after too little for too long. If we, um, we know that like, 
if you can keep up a consistent moderate to high level of training, that's like a vaccine for for injury prevention. I don't want to get into vaccines because right, this is a probably another thing. But think of this like a really effective way. The most effective way for you to um, sort of prevent yourself getting injured is to keep up consistent training habits. Like mm. just, that's just that's just the number one thing. Like how many times have um, we knew the exact I, I could tell COVID coming back from COVID was a very busy time for me everyone coming back on the jiu-jitsu match after they've done like like too little right their bodies become deconditioned mm-hmm. um you know they don't have the physical resilience in the ligaments and the tendons and the muscles and they just go back and they think oh i used to, i can train at this intensity again and bam then we're, we're at we're at high risk and, and there was loads of injuries happening and you could tell the people that did the sneaky training sessions in the basement or in the garage all through covid they and they kept that good. Training habits? No, n- none of us, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, they came out of that a lot better because they had better long-term chronic moderate to high levels of training loads. So yeah. keeping up the dis- consistency is number one thing. Mm. Um, <clears throat> the next thing would be about sort of that athletic development and strength and conditioning. So we don't have any research in jiu-jitsu, but for pretty much every other sport, there's some good correlations between if you can um, – stay a little bit stronger and have better neuromuscular quality so you know that that's all those different like athletic stuff so you know a little bit of strength flexibility mobility plyometrics all that sort of all that sort of stuff if you can fit two to three supplementary training sessions that's going to really pay off in terms of how much you can do on the mat and for 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 people that are like a majority of people listening that may be sort of hobbyists in the sport i know that we can really overcomplicate strength training and it doesn't need to be overcomplicated it's really if there's a movement that you want to get stronger at you're completing two to five sets of that movement about six to 15 repetitions with a four second sort of tempo two seconds up two seconds down and you're selecting a weight that leaves you with about one to three reps in reserve so you're working pretty hard but you don't need to be maxing out and then you're repeating that two to three times a week so you take simple principles like that and we can really um reduce people's sort of uh, ability to be able to tolerate all of your training stresses all of your training on the mat um just sort of by those a little bit of supplementary work it's going to be diminishing returns after that and it may be more related to like sports performance and you might be better if you know you might get better at jiu-jitsu if you can do a couple more than that but really for injury prevention if we can just get a basic like level that would be that would be massive um interesting then yeah, that, that's sort of they're like the keys that I think of to for sort of sports injury prevention without and then like ice bars and compression, all this like there's so many little one percenters, wouldn't it be worth one percent? If if you're not getting your basic load management right, you're not getting your sort of recovery right. And by recovery, I'm not talking about ice baths. I'm talking about sleep and nutrition and and periodizing your training over time to make sure that every few weeks you have a deload week where you're sort of taking your intensity down. Like if you're not getting that stuff right, don't worry about all the other stuff. Like because they're just they're just such a small. They just won't change the needle. They're just not a needle mover compared to these other things. Um, so I think that probably, yeah, that's the main, that's the really the sort of main things there. Yeah. So, so as far as lowering the percentages, right? Like, and this is, this could be the dumbest question anyone's ever asked you, right? But like if knees are the highest percentage issue, right? If I, because I, I like to train jujitsu six days a week. That's my goal. That's what I always usually do. I never change my intensity. It's always about 70 to 80%. Like I, ne- I always tap early, you know, I never get injured very rarely. And, but 
if I was going to be preventative, would it literally be smart to just work knee strength and conditioning, right? Because that's the, that's the highest percentage. Does it make sense to do that and ignore the rest of my body? Like if I'm going to do nothing, <laughs> is that better than anything? Is that better than nothing? Just to be honest. Yeah, uh, look, if you're, if, 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 yes, essentially, if you're, if, if it's that or nothing, then I'd say that 100%. Okay. Right. Okay. But, but what I would say is that if knees are sort of 70% of the injuries, can, or, you know, 60%, then that percentage of your time can be put towards that as opposed to the other areas. So okay. I absolutely think lower, lower limb, and we can eat we can either do very isolated just knee strength stuff or you can do more global training like if you do a deadlift or a squat you're training you know you're training um you know ankles knees and hips really and so if you more sort of global work through the knee as long as that was got like some strength stuff some little bit of balance work in there some hopping some moving around staying agile like that um i i think that's going to be more bang for your buck than your upper body stuff but it's always it's always athlete specific so if you, you know, it should be dependent on your training history. If you've always had niggly shoulders, then that's where you need to prioritize a little bit more. You know, it could be the, your genetics that is, you know, going into that as much as anything else. So absolutely an individual approach, but thinking about your, your injury history or training history, but then also I like to always come back to what's the actual research saying. And for that is majority of kind of knees plus a little bit of sort of shoulders and maybe elbows mm-hmm. is, is where you should be putting most of your um, injury prevention, strength and conditioning training in. And Excellent. what about, um, Tim, people who are time poor? Like you mentioned you recommend strength and conditioning, say, two or three times a week, but jiu-jitsu is really addictive, yeah? It's fun. Mm. So if you've only got yeah. six sessions in the week like Anton does, you yeah. give three of them to your strength and conditioning, then you only get three jiu-jitsu, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Like uh, back, uh, back in 2017, I was pre-children, I was pre studying a PhD pre everything else. And I think training for worlds, I was, you know, on the jujitsu mat six, seven days a week and, and then extra strength and conditioning five and six days a week, but that's just not realistic for most people with lives. Mm. So it, those strength and conditioning sessions don't need to be any more than 20 minutes. So mm. I, I don't think there's many people that can't turn up 25 minutes early to a class twice a week, get some strength and conditioning in, then go onto the mats. Like okay. it doesn't need to be working maximally. You don't need to be completely fatigued. You don't need to kill yourself, but just yeah. getting some regular consistency done twice a week before a couple of your jiu-jitsu sessions. Um, I think most people can fit that in if they're they're serious about trying to prevent yeah. injuries. Okay, that's awesome. Because I've heard, I mean, you get various views, right? But I've heard that weight training before jiu-jitsu can have a negative impact, but I guess that just has a negative impact on the jiu-jitsu. I'm not sure. Is there- yeah, like, yeah, probably, probably is going to be a little bit fatiguing for that. But I also like, we've got to take a pragmatic approach, right? We've got yeah. to, life is... <laughs> everyone's busy right you've got lots going on but we're trying to fit it in somewhere and it's still definitely better than not awesome and what about at the other end after injury and they've come (laughs) and had some of the rehab they've been doing it how many people kind of re-injure an old injury because they didn't do enough rehab is that a common thing you see two two reasons because they either didn't do enough rehab or they um or they went back to full training too soon yeah. So one of the things um, um, I I put together a few years, maybe maybe eighteen months ago, was about to like a, a staged approach. So every other sport, there's quite a lot of research out there that says, right, when we're going to, it's a return to sport plan or return to training plan from when I want to first get on the mats to then getting back to return to sport and return to high performance. And at the moment, we don't really have any guide about how to do that. We would we just you know if you go to a traditional 
physio sports therapist who doesn't necessarily understand jujitsu they'll get you through and they'll do a fantastic job at that first kind of those first stages and then i'll just say you're ready to go back to training and there's such a jump up between them what most people are doing in their rehab studios to what jujitsu is right if you've got some crappy little exercise bands and you're using a maybe you've progressed from a yellow band to a red band to a blue band or something like that and then they say oh you're doing great you're out of pain you're ready to go back you're in no way ready to go back to uh, a high level of you know pre-injury training and so for me it was important to work out how we can so i could support grapplers by getting like a, a, a staged approach i suppose and I, i've called this like a control to chaos continuum and that and that's based on the work of um burner who's done it he's used something similar in hamstrings but i've kind of applied how we can do that from what's what's a really controlled environment to get people back early so you should be you can go back on the mat with most injuries you can be doing some like technical independent drilling so i talk i talk to people about um just moving around at home just you're just you're just flow rolling even if people aren't confident i talked if they're white or blue belts i say go and get that free uh danahar solo drilling dvd that he put out during covid now that just gets you moving around it gets you to understand the positions of risk for you it gets to understand how your body feels moving through different things and then when you come back later on like to when you start to maybe have some technical partner drilling just slow and controlled then you move on to some flow rolling which is kind of moderate level of control and then you go on to sort of positional specific training and then from there maybe some technical standing drills and then some floor floor based training and then you've got your full sort of chaos uh, like full grappling where you get scrambles and things like that and we know that scrambles are going to be your highest risk but what i like to do is get people as early as possible getting through those stages so you may be in like still in rehab um still working through you're not cleared to but you'll always be cleared to do some technical independent drilling. Or if you're really not cleared for that, maybe you've just had an ACL surgery and you can't even do that for two weeks, then you've got some video content. There's always something you can do. Mm. And I've found that jiu-jitsu practitioners are so passionate and they love the sport that they just want to be able to do something. So mm. I always want to offer people um, like a staged approach and getting back people back onto the mats, even just doing something simple like that. It takes some discipline. You've got to be disciplined to to just you know stay within those constraints but if mm. people have got discipline we can get people back earlier and that that they're in a far better position by the time we get to that seventh stage of that control to chaos continuum because they've built up the resilience again not just in the in the specific tissue injury but the whole of the rest of their body hasn't deconditioned because mm. they're working around the injury so i think the biggest thing for me in terms of um re-injury is about getting people through a staged staged approach stay disciplined to that that's complementary to whatever the rehab program is mm. um when, yeah that's whenever i'm watching like mma or kim compete or what and there's a really <laughs> serious injury um like I, I i've never had a serious injury right so I, I don't understand this but joe rogan for example talks about how some of these people are just never the same again right like it could be after concussion or a serious injury but you know hyperextended knee whatever like I'm wondering how many people really get back to as good as they were or better somehow in that area. Is that realistic? Is that something that can actually happen after a serious injury? Or is that just... I'm still in the room, hey? Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, kids. But I want to know if you as well as me. <laughs> Will Kim ever um, compete again? That's what I'm trying to get. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can, I, I've got a feeling she will. <laughs> cool. I, don't know about that. I believe. 
with the exception of spinal cord injuries, um, <clears throat> which I've seen in my time, um, I've, I've never seen any single injury that people haven't managed to get back to full training. So right. every injury, there's absolutely hope and there's a good opportunity. Um, but there's so many factors that go into that. It's a complex, it's, like, it's a multifactorial kind of process um, and it depends on individual you know willingness and drive to get back to that sometimes you know i'm not putting the blame in, on any on any individual there's lots of sort of other things that can come into it other priorities change sometimes after injury and people decide that they're not sort of you know wanting to put the focus in that area um but I, i've never seen any specific type of injury that people can't get back to full 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 competing probably the, the worst of those are like a fully ruptured achilles tendon or maybe even the acls and i'm working with lots of acl people these days like you know telehealth all over the world and and, and in melbourne and it's great to to see people getting back either the surgical route or the non-surgical route but absolutely that would be one of the toughest toughest ones psychologically mentally it's a hard road right. but you can absolutely get back uh, and someone like cooper you know he's been yeah. sort of working with he's the you know coach absolute he's doing a fantastic job just caught up with him when he came back and visited a couple of weeks ago down in melbourne to get some some strength testing in the gym done and, and see where he's at and he's progressing fantastically well down that surgical route so if you've got that sort of commitment to the long to the cause long term um absolutely you can come back from anything in my book brilliant that's awesome so, all right still hope for me then that's good cool. <laughs> um and uh, Tim, so Black Belt Rehab, that's your handle on Instagram, yeah? And you put up lots of content talking about this sort of stuff and more? Yeah, definitely. I actually just recently changed it from my name to like that Black Belt Rehab just to make it a, a little bit sort of easier for, for people to find. And, um, yeah, um, yeah, regularly just trying to do what I can to help the community keep people on the mats. Um, yeah, that's me now. Awesome, man. Exactly. Awesome. I'm just going to follow you right this very minute. Well, I mean, I probably, probably already am, but I'm just making sure I am black belt rehab. Yeah. Good yeah. man. Awesome. Uh, Any Brad, final we'll, words? Yeah. Any we'll final thoughts from Tim? And you've got two minutes 42 for those final words. So oh, keep geez, that, <laughs> no, no pressure on there. Look, um, there's, there's so many places we could, we could have gone with this conversation today around sort of managing acute injuries or anything else. But I, I would just say, just to recap those sort of principles of injury prevention like if you can just find that little bit of time to just do a little bit of strength and conditioning doesn't need to don't doesn't need to, need to be complicated doesn't need to be too hard but just get some consistency in there and it will pay dividends um long term if you're anything like me or probably any of us really that want that see ourselves doing jiu-jitsu long into our old age um uh, my my kind of passion is to keep people being physically active particularly in things that they love to do like like jiu-jitsu so there's a few of these simple changes we can make and it will keep you on the mats for for many years to come awesome man i, I feel like this was one of our more mature podcasts man was... very wise it's funny because tim's a real shit stirrer like we can't even <laughs> give him enough uh leeway to to That's do any true. of that stuff. Yeah, more yeah. 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 professional mode today. We'll have to have you on again another time and we can uh, see you with the other oh, side as well yeah. as a professional. Absolutely. Awesome. Great to chat with you. Likewise. Awesome. Yeah. All right. We will have this out in a couple of weeks. If you could share it, uh, that would really help us and we'll share your page as well so that hopefully we can, yeah, we'll help the community to just keep on rolling and keep on Yeah, absolutely. No, I've been listening to a few more of yours recently and they're, they're just, uh, yeah, good, fun, conversational podcasts. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of weeks before it will be out. Yeah, that's yep, it. We'll, we'll put it out and then we'll, um, yeah, we'll tag you. We'll let you know. And um, yeah, we'll, yeah, I'm a... I'm flying out on Thursday to Craig's camp in Thailand for a couple of weeks. So oh, wow. oh, okay. Might happen while you're over there. 
All right. Anyway, maybe Enjoy. we should do another another one while you're over there and learning from them. We just had who do we have? We've got less than a minute. We'll talk we'll talk about this offline. But yeah, okay. it, could, it could be interesting to catch up while you're over there again. Anyway, we'll talk yeah. soon. All right. See All right. You. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.